This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290 WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 63 degrees at 9.04. Forecast for today, mostly sunny. High in the mid to upper 70s. Could be some issue with winds today. Gusting as high as 23 miles per hour. We're still having some issues with power around the region as it has been a busy night for New York State Electric and Gas crews dealing with the power outages scattered all around the region. Now, as of 2 o'clock this morning, the majority of the power issues were in the city of Binghamton. Now we're getting addition of about 11 customers of NYSEG in the Underwood Road area of Vestal, now without power. Anticipate they get their power back on at 11.30 this morning, according to New York State Electric and Gas. Downtown Binghamton had a lot of streets, including Hauling, State, Shenango Court, Susquehanna, all without power until about early morning to mid-morning, but now we have some areas of Shenango Place, for example, that are not expecting their power back on until 2 o'clock this afternoon. Tioga County officials this morning said there had been some flickering lights yesterday as a storm moved through, but no major power outages for Tioga County reported this morning. Likewise, very scattered power interruptions reported by NYSEG in Shenango County. Right now, only five customers there without power, and those are mainly in McDonough. Prior to the system that moved through yesterday, though, there were some issues in Pennsylvania. PennDOT, Pennsylvania Department of Transportation, reported a tree and wires down at about 2 in the afternoon on State Route 92 between Milford and Owego Turnpike in Lenox Township. That road reopened this morning. Broome County Sheriff's Office has been a crowded place these days with people applying for concealed weapon permits before the new regulations in New York take effect tomorrow. New York residents who want to avoid those additional requirements must apply for their concealed carry license before tomorrow. Sheriff David Harder says there's been a big jam of people who want to file their paperwork at the headquarters in the town of Dickinson. And he called this morning to let us know that the license office opened at 7 a.m. and it will be open until 5.30 this evening. New York State regulations will require applicants to provide a list of former and current social media accounts for the last three years. Posts will be reviewed to determine whether people seeking a permit are of good moral character. Those seeking a concealed carry license will face a 15-minute in-person interview before an application is approved. The law also mandates a 16-hour classroom and two-hour live-fire gun safety training course. Retired law enforcement officers also will have to apply for a concealed carry license. WMBF News Time 907. Plans to revitalize a neighborhood around Binghamton's baseball stadium now includes a multi million dollar multi use project, including apartments. City officials were joined by developer Ken Kearney to announce the plans for the $24 million stadium lofts housing project on four vacant and city-owned properties at the intersection of Henry and Chapman Streets. The proposal by the Kearney Group includes 70 apartments in a four- to five-story building and up to the half of those residential units for working people, possibly in the arts. The plans call for also ground floor commercial space for small business. Developer Ken Kearney says the group is planning to apply for affordable housing credits through the New York State Homes and Community Renewal Program in the next few weeks. And they're looking forward to a possible groundbreaking in a year. 
WMBF News Time, 908. A Chemung County man is facing charges in neighboring Tioga County following a traffic stop. Tioga County sheriffs say 40-year-old Brian David Strong of Horseheads was stopped by deputies on of Owego on Monday at around quarter after six in the morning. During the stop, the authorities say they discovered illegal drugs. Strong is charged with felony criminal possession of a controlled substance, criminal possession of a controlled substance with intent to sell, as well as criminal use of drug paraphernalia packaging materials and criminal use of drug paraphernalia scales. Strong was sent to the Tioga County Jail without bail to await his next appearance in the village of Owego Court at a later date. If Dr. Mehmet Oz is elected to the U.S. Senate representing Pennsylvania this fall, he'll be the first Muslim to serve in the chamber. The Associated Press reports it's not really a conversation topic on the Pennsylvania campaign trail, and Muslim says it's barely a topic of conversation in their community. Many Muslims also may not identify with Dr. Oz politically. Well, the cardiologist has said it's good for the U.S. to show it elects Muslims, and it's good for Muslims to see a fellow Muslim achieve success. Some say many in their community didn't even know he was Muslim because he doesn't talk about it. Others suggest that faith doesn't matter, quote, if you're not on the right side of issues. WMBF Newstime 909. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast, mostly sunny today, a high in the mid to upper 70s. But on the windy sides, wind picks up and could gust as high as 23 miles per hour. Mostly clear tonight, a low in the mid to upper 50s. Sunny tomorrow, a high only in the low 70s and the low Thursday night dipping into the mid to upper 40s. Friday, sunny, a high in the low 80s. Saturday, mostly sunny, high in the mid-80s. And Sunday, mostly sunny, 40% chance of afternoon showers, high in the mid-80s. Currently, it's 63 in Binghamton. It's 11 past 9, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1. News Radio Radio. WNBF, 1290 AM, 92.1 FM. And of course, live online at WNBF.com. Without further ado, let's talk about dog tricks with Ron in Binghamton. Hi, Bob. Are you there? Yes, let's talk about dog tricks. Okay. Hey, uh, the great uh, writer, English writer, a poet, a lexographer, Dr. Samuel Johnson. You remember him? Who could forget? Right. Well, he had a biographer. Her, his name was James Boswell. Uh, Boswell wrote the famous Life of Johnson. And uh, he tells a story about bringing a dog to Dr. Johnson to show Dr. Johnson that someone had taught that dog to do an Irish jig. And in fact, he brought the dog to Dr. Johnson and the dog did his little Irish jig trick. 
After which, Dr. Johnson said, you know, I'm not surprised that someone could teach a dog to do an Irish jig. What surprises me is that someone would misuse their time spending their time to teach a dog to do an Irish jig. I have a, I have a reason I mentioned that story. And I can't wait to hear the reason. I, I bet you can. You know, uh, you're a, a word lover. Um, William Sapphire, you know, the great uh, writer from the New York Times. Uh, he was a genius. He was a wordsmith. And uh, this is a word that uh, is uh, fairly common, uh, iconoclast. An iconoclast is someone who shatters cherished images, um, you know, takes uh, something that is in the public eye and, and uh, revered and uh, kind of knocks it about a little bit. So that's the service that I'm trying to perform today. Uh, you know, uh, if you do something like write a book or compose a song or a symphony, paint something or sculpt something, you really got something there. Now, what I don't quite get is how we get so turned on by the ephemeral, transitory, transient thing of projecting images on the side of a building. You know because pe people about? people love Luma because it's not something you see every day. Yeah, it uh, you know it's like I say it's uh, not it, it's it's an image that's there for seconds so to speak. It it comes it flashes by. What what I'm saying is why why all of the excitement about seeing things flash on it? You know. They do that in Disney World. You go down there for light shows or whatever. This, uh, what is it? Uh, I don't get it. It's like uh, it's, you know, you've got it's one of those things, Ron. That's truly inexplicable. It's just like what is the story about Mounds candy bars? It's indescribably delicious. Well, if you're if you're one of the thousands of people that go to Luma, are you a lunatic? Is is that kind of what it is? You just get turned on by, you know, the transitory, the flicking it up there. It's not a book. It's not a composition, not paint. It's not a sculpture. Uh, it's like the thing where someone, uh, for someone's birthday, you buy a star and name it after them, you know. So somewhere out in the Milky Way, there's a star, and it it flashes here, and that's your star. Uh, or you, you own a pet rock or things like that. I I find Luma to be in that category. Now, I'm not knocking that lots of people go for it. I'm just saying, is that all there is, as Peggy Lee used to say, is that all there is to a circus? Well, same with music. Same with any live event. What about baseball games or hockey games or whatever? I mean, things that trans that, that uh, take place live in front of thousands of people, a shared experience, they are ephemeral. You can, whether it's a baseball game or a concert or images from Luma, you can preserve them 
as still photos or as video, but they still, they're here one minute and gone another. It, it, the difference, of course, between Luma and a baseball game, Luma usually wraps up at midnight. A baseball game could keep on going, in theory, forever until they had to shut it down because of a curfew. But, you know, it's, as they say, it's all entertainment. The thing, well, but- the thing about Luma that may make it attractive to thousands of people is that up until a few years ago, it never happened around here. I shouldn't say never. Seldom happened around here. People did, in years past, project images on buildings downtown, but sometimes that was to project images of the voting results from the Binghamton Press, for example. But, you know, that's in a... that's going back a century ago, back before Al Gore gifted us the Internet. Well, Bob, I, I have a suggestion uh, for the people who you know go to Luma. Uh, there's a writer that you know really well. I don't know if you know him personally, but you know him, uh, Rick Morsey. And Rick Morsey on Sundays has a column in the local paper, which is a wonderful column, about nature and about seeing things. And if you read Rick Morsey's column, you you realize that you can go out there to the Waterman Conservation Center or the State Park or wherever, or just by a stream. And there are so many things to see that occur naturally, which we miss. We We don't see these things. Rick Morsey teaches us how to see them. But uh, again, uh, and I'm not knocking the, the fact that people love this. Thousands of people go to Luma. I guess it's in the category of, I guess it's just me. I don't get it. Uh, there's well, so much more. There are a lot of things in life I don't get either. And yet I don't, I don't uh, tend to discourage people from thinking of it as special. If, Like the VMA Awards got a lot of attention the other day. Video Music Association Awards with the uh, talented Terry Lynn or whatever her name is. I can't remember. The one who's always trying to shake it off. That one. She um, announced that she's going to have a new album, I guess. They don't call them albums anymore. She's going to release music in October. And to hear the reaction that she's going to release a new bunch of recorded music, you would have thought that she had declared the war in Ukraine was over. It, I don't understand, but that's okay. I'm I'm not part of her target demographic. You're not part of Luma's target demographic. They want people who like projected light uh, displays. They don't want you. In fact, if, if you chose to go on Friday or Saturday of next week, they probably would ask you to leave because you don't like that. I'll meet you. At, uh... <laughs> they'll, they'll have a bouncer. They'll have a bouncer at at the at the perimeter. Hey, are you Ron from Binghamton? I heard you on August thirty first questioning why people like this sort of thing. We don't want you here. Wouldn't that be funny if they said, "We don't well, want I... your kind here." You, if you don't know why why people like this, then you're not you're not allowed to see the beauty of Luma. Well, Bob, <laughs> be funny. I'm, going to go, I'm, I'm going to go to Luma this okay. year. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to go on two. Isn't it on two different days? It is. It's on yeah. September 9th and 10th. 
one day I'm going to wear something ephemeral. I'm going to wear a leisure suit, and the next day I'm going to wear my Nehru jacket. I was looking back at pictures from, from Luma 2019, the last time they did a Luma in our parking garage, and I was looking at one of the guys who was in line to go to the underground display in the parking garage, and he was wearing a unique suit. I, I meant to uh, ask him what the story was. It was a bright yellow suit. It was beautiful. And all I wanted, well, two things. One, is this symbolic of anything? And two, where can I get one like it? Because I, I thought the next time I go to a news conference, if I dress in a bright yellow suit like that, I'll be able to ask all the questions. You'll be a personally illuminated. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Ron. It's 922. Personally, I am looking forward to the Luma. You could say, yes, Bob Joseph, a real lunatic. <laughs> Part of the lunatic fringe. Dale in Binghamton, good morning. You're on the air. Uh, morning, Bob. I, I was just laughing at that there. They projected a, uh, a uh, marshmallow man onto my building, and I looked out the window and, uh, you know, from the eighth floor, and uh, there's this marshmallow man pointing at me and looking at me and stuff, you know, and then my cat jumped up there and uh, looked, and, and she just puffed up. Her, her name's Puff, anyway, but she puffed <laughs> up. <laughs> and she couldn't even talk about it, you know, and it was like real live stuff, you know, and it was in the clouds and everything. I remember that. It was fantastic as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it might be a dream. This, uh, the Marshmallow Man, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I enjoyed really last fun. year the the Luma uh, display that was over at, at City Hall. With, um, yeah, with City the, Hall. I, I can't remember yeah. the what I, it was called, I but I, it was time. fascinating. Oh, man, I was fascinated, you know, and seeing him come through the clouds and then standing right on the building and pointing at me. And then my cat seat. <laughs> oh, it was scary. I, 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 it was as though he could see me personally. And I thought, oh my yeah, gosh, you know, know, it's he's he's one of those one of those people who right watches. The building. Yeah, it was, it was something. You know, I, I think that's a good uh, attraction for the city. But uh, I don't know. Uh, what I want to talk about was the uh, the. Uh, Transformers exploding around here, which we have right now, and the whole building doesn't have any electricity, only water, thank God, you know, and uh, they're they're replacing a transformer right here on uh, Shenango Street, and it's going to take another eight hours before the power even comes on. I'm in my vehicle right now, just charge my phone, you know, and... Uh, but everybody's, you know, it's like, uh, you know, 10 apartments on 15 floors. There's a bunch of people that are without power. and just They, they have a, a, a Kohler generator that has a run for uh, people that need machines to, to live and everything, you know, which is run right now. Well, what but about the happened. air conditioning? How is the air conditioning no air being conditioning, run? Nothing. No lights. I mean, I've got to have flashlight when I woke up about five in the morning and seen all the clocks are off and no internet, no nothing, you know, and I'm, I'm out here charging my, my cell phone right now in my vehicle because there's no power. 
and and that's why there's all these uh, trucks and everything. I'm looking at them right now, and they're trying to replace the equipment, but it's underground, and uh, and they have to wait for this and that and everything. So they, I called New York State Electric and Gas. They told it it'll be another eight hours, which means they're gonna have to dump off the refrigerator, you know, because that's not fine. You know, nothing's fine except for my gas-powered vehicle instead of trying to plug in my electric one. <laughs> oh, that would be horrible. That's just a pun. Yes. Oh, yeah. No power? Hell. Oh, my gosh. Well, that, that doesn't sound like yeah. a good time. And people that are, you know, disabled or whatever, you know, and, uh, you know, just to have to put up with that, you know. So they're going to plug in all these um, battery-charged, vehicles with this type of uh, electric grid that doesn't even last. This is the second um, transformer that exploded right around this corner. You know, what so, time did it happen today? About 5 o'clock in the morning, I woke up, and, and there was no nothing. You know, and, uh, I'm no clocks, no nothing. I said, what the heck going on? And uh, so I called New York State Electric Gas. And they said it'd be another eight hours, so probably noon or, or more. They're working on it right now, though. They got a bunch of trucks down here. And it's like a one-lane um, down on the street there. So cause they're, they're working on it, but it's underground. So they have, it's going to be at least eight hours, they told me. Oh, boy. So you you didn't actually hear anything. You just woke up around five and observed the I power was on. At the telephone company, you know, the building, the brick building, telephone company. I heard that one explode, and I live on the other side of the building. But I could hear that noise, you know, and I said, "Holy cow, what the heck's that?" And it was a transformer down on the ground by that telephone building. So you live on the north side of the building. Yeah, on the parking lot side right. of the building, not. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, on the up on the eighth but I floor. I Thursday. Well, what yeah. about um, elevators? Are the elevators working? There's um, the hallways are dark, but there's lights on on both ends, and the exit signs are marked, and the elevators work. So, but they have a Kohler um, electric thing that they have on here at Shangle that they have to have for people that really need the electricity you know just to live right well well keep me keep me posted if by by chance the um, power returns before noon call yeah it's it's one one way traffic right now now they got trucks parking both sides all All right well i I wish you and everyone else who may be listening uh, in the building the best and hopefully things will get back to normal very soon yeah, everybody knows about it now and stuff. But, All know, right. I, I wake up pretty early and, you know, I just start. All right. As I say, if it's, um, if if the power returns, uh, call in and yeah. let us know. Okay? It's important. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. It's 928 WNBF, WNBF.com, 607-772-1290. Bob Joseph, live and local on the radio. If you want to send an email, that's simple enough. Bob at WNBF.com. Enjoy. News Radio 1290 WNBF. 
Hey there, 931 with Bob Joseph on the radio. Alert the media. Listening to WNBF. Hi, everybody. I'm Archie Bell with the Thrills of Houston, Texas. We don't only sing, but we dance just as good as we want. In Houston, we just started a new dance called the Tighten Up. This is the music we tighten up with. First, tighten up on the drum. All right. Tighten up and lighten up. <laughs> WNBF, WNBF.com. And uh, all the big news, they um, plan to build housing near the stadium. The stadium lofts, and everybody is talking about how cool it would be to live near the stadium. Say this week, because the Rumble Ponies are playing against Somerset, so if you lived at the stadium lofts, you'd be able to go right across the street to the game, and then when the game's over, you stumble on home, right? So according to the plan, 70 units of fabulous housing at the stadium lofts at Henry Street, and the guy who says he's going to do it, Carney. I think it's Carney. I, I haven't spoken with him, but a guy named Carney says he wants tax credits. Well, of course he does. Of course he does want tax credits to build his apartment building uh, near the stadium. So uh, you as New York taxpayers can help Make that project possible. Big stadium lofts near the stadium. It's it's quite the uh, it's quite the site. I'm very familiar with that site actually. <clears throat> the uh, according to the Present Sun Bulletin, Emily Barnes has a story in the Present Sun Bulletin about this. Anthony Dorenzo, owner of Dorenzo Brothers Bakery, said it would make the street look better because whoever is going to do whatever they're going to do is going to keep it looking nice. So I think that's, that's a good thing. So this guy named Carney, hopefully he'll build a, a nice building. Although I have to say, I don't know if you've noticed this lately, isn't it true that almost everything that gets built anymore, new housing, whether it's for just average folks like you and me or for students, have you noticed all the designs seem to look pretty much the same? They all seem to have that look. I didn't say it's a bad look. I'm saying it just seems every every building now is designed by the same person. I don't know what she's thinking, but she doesn't seem to have a very vivid imagination. All the renderings I see of new projects these days, yeah, they're a little different, but they all still have the same feel. They don't seem to have any real personality. It's, it's as though they have a template in someone's computer. They got a 
apartment building design kit or a mixed-use project design kit, and they say, yeah, how many units do we need? How many floors will we have? Voila, there's your rendering. Oh, well. John from Binghamton. Good morning. Looks like he wants to talk about the highly praised Stadium Loft project. Uh, yeah, no, no Frank Lloyd writes uh, need, need I mean, apply. You know, am I right? Of, look, look at that design. I mean, that looks like a carbon copy of 45,000 other projects that have been built in the United States over the last five years. And, and yet they charge for architectural fees, you know, in the, uh, in the proposal. Uh, you know, architects used to be known by their name, you know. Uh, now it looks like it's, it's something they got from Microsoft or, or comes with your, you know, if you get iPad Pro, this comes built in as one of the programs. You know, apartment, well, Microsoft, or no, Apple apartment or iApartment design. You know, just as I said, enter number of total units, including bedroom <laughs> configurations, etc., and lot size, and I, I guarantee you the software spits out something like this in about half a second, probably not even that. Yeah, there you go. But, uh, you know, that, that area was, uh, was always supposed to be housing. Uh, my memory is of the late 60s, you know, when they were uh, starting urban renewal, and, of course, they were demolishing a lot of housing uh, at the time. And they said, well, where's the people going to go? Well, they're going to go, you know, by the railroad tracks. And, uh, you know, uh, between the, uh, the insider dealing and the, uh, all the crookedness that was urban renewal, uh, it never got done. And then they took an industrial site, a, a very good industrial site, and put a stadium there. But here's... Here's the problem. Oh, by the way, how about that project at Gardner Olds? Exactly. There's another thing that just suddenly I've been wondering the same thing, and nobody seems to know how, because I was looking up last night, I'm saying, well, there's a project that should be well underway now, and I was over there uh, last Friday looking around. Not a darn thing has happened, John, at that site, and there's another developer out-of-town developer with no local track record that showed up, as I recall, with uh, the former mayor. And I believe there, the photo I saw was also the IDA uh, director. She was there. I mean, where is the project? Where are my apartments that were supposed to help revitalize that part of the first ward? John, well, what happened with the projects? Well, the, the whole problem is these politicians, these narcissistic public officials love announcements. They love to take selfies. But their real job is not that. In fact, that's not even in their job description or in their oath of office or in the city charter. Their real job is to run the departments, run public safety if you're the mayor, uh, run everything efficiently. You should have charts uh, on your office wall, uh, uh, saying how many people do we pick up the garbage on time? Uh, is is uh, you know uh, is the sewer plan operating? This is the nuts and bolts of the executive. And, and, but they want to play real estate developer. Now the last mayor, Rich David, he made a ton of money uh, buying and selling properties. He was 
busy all the time working his own end while he was the mayor of the city of Binghamton. And it was amusing to me uh, to see on Channel 34 the mayor said that he revite going to revitalize Ithaca like he revitalized Binghamton. Well, Ithaca better get ready to lose some chain drug stores. And, uh, uh, you know, I mean, it's a joke uh, what, what's happened here, Bob. And you know, the, the biggest problem in Binghamton now related to housing is the Binghamton Housing Authority, those two towers. Uh, and, and I might add, I guess Elaine Miller retired from the Binghamton Housing Authority at a pension, believe it or not, of over $103,000. So, you know, if you think, if you think poverty uh, doesn't enrich some people, you're dreaming, a $103,000 pension for the rest of her life running and i i confronted her once about how much money she was making over there while doing nothing uh while the residents were languishing in their uh chicken coops uh with bed bugs and uh, she laughed it off oh i don't make that much money well her pension is on the new york state open government uh website you can see it and um, by the way she's running for county legislature that's not good enough 103,000 bucks a year coming in is not good enough plus enhanced well with higher energy prices and and food prices going through the roof i mean who could possibly make ends meet with that yeah so here's 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 the problem with all these developments uh, People need a place to live. Everybody's got to live. But the problem is if you're talking about economics, you're talking about discretionary income. For example, when Lander's company, now there's a glitzy, glitzy Kilmer building, right? It's very glitzy. The New York State uh, Sixth Judicial District is up there. It's a nice project. But the point is when it was Lander's company, there were a lot of people working and it was a very prosperous place. People could pay their own rent. They didn't need Section 8 vouchers. And, in fact, I knew one couple that worked there, knew of them, and they worked at – they had a plan. They came here from Italy. They worked at Landers for 10 years. They saved their money. They went back to Italy and built a house. They invited everybody that they knew to come out and see them uh, back in the old country, and people that went there – we're very, very surprised at how beautiful and spacious the house they built from their salaries and savings at Lander's company uh, was. So uh, uh, we need, we need uh, not to create uh, uh, ways of life for people. Uh, we need to give them something to do, and we need them to give, get them on a payroll. What we need and, uh, now more than ever is Ari Mizell. There you go. That's I'm looking key. at the story. It was in the highly, I mean, look, they they did a story about you, John, the New York Times, so they can't be all bad. New York Times in May 2004, and we've talked about this on the program, Ari Mizell, a new boss man in town. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. it's funny, I've worked in Binghamton for many, many, many years. I was born here. I had never even had a chance to meet with the new boss man, let alone speak with him on the phone. But as you know, and we've talked about this before, the story in the Times said there were some skeptics in the beginning, admitted the mayor, Richard Bucci, and now the new boss man was turning this old, run-down, abandoned building where train cars had dumped slaughtered cattle in the past, um... Oh, no, they didn't dump them into the building. It was the rail yards next door. But the, he was going to...
turn that into some sort of inspirational loft building with all these lofts. And now I look up, and I, I had never seen this till just a few minutes ago, John. Even the Wall Street Journal did a story that that referenced Ari Mizell. wasn't He wasn't the only person quoted, but it, it made reference to him. And it's like, Ari Mizell, come on, man. Come on back yeah. and, and finish... Finish your work. Finish the lofts. There's a story here from uh, the press, because apparently he posed for photographer, legendary press and Sun Bulletin photographer Chuck Haupt, uh, at a, a picture, and you may have seen this back in the day, John, of... Uh, of a cool-looking developer. Uh, you know, he's posed uh, with the rail yards in the background over, um, over his shoulder, and he's making sure to have the telltale look of disinterest that all 23-year-olds have. And the, the story was about how this, this uh, old depot building was coming back to life. Well, uh, the history of that uh, revitalization actually dates back to the 70s when a real estate developer from Endicott uh, came to city council with a plan uh, to, develop, to, do, to redevelop that. He, he was successful in Endicott. Uh, he's no longer with us, and with, with all private money, and that was turned down. Uh, but Time Warner Cable uh, did have an office there at one time uh, in, in the 70s. Uh, that was their... Uh, public access production uh, facility. Really? A guy, a guy that thought he was the next uh, Francis Ford Coppola, but <laughs> way back when Empire Cable was Right. Born. Yeah, and uh, he's the one that told me that I couldn't possibly have a show on public access. You know, I, I couldn't look into the camera and tell jokes because I'd have to be damn good. So and, was, and yet, for those <laughs> who may not realize, you wound up, you and your sidekick Steve wound up developing the most successful public access program in the history of Binghamton. Yeah, it was, uh, we kept it local. And, and it was uh, must-see yeah. TV. I mean, may not have been the slickest public access program. Well, as public access programs go, it was actually fairly slick. But still, the content, I mean, people people uh, would schedule their, their Friday night activities around the, the new episode of your, your program. Yeah, it was uh, uh, it was uh, quite something. And, uh, <laughs> it was quite something. Yeah. Uh, anyway, well, but anyway, well, that there, there's a history to this stuff, and I just I just wish that uh, people would look and see how much money these people are making, like the retired Elaine Miller uh, for county legislature, and see how these people are living. We can do a much better job, but, you know, those people at the Housing Authority, uh, they're going to remodel the low-rise, but those things have been remodeled like five times now. What about those high-rises? Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't buy this, Bob. I just, let me tell you something. On one hand, they're telling you a 50-year-old parking ramp is has to come down. On the other hand, they're telling you that a 100-plus-year-old department store just needs a few repairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Very interesting. Thank you, John. 946 WNBF. Miller Auto Team, they're there for you right now. 4455 Vestal Parkway East in Vestal, directly across from Binghamton University. They're open today till 6. They'll be open tomorrow from 9 to 7. So if you're looking for a vehicle, it could be a brand new car, a Honda, a Hyundai. Maybe you're looking for something previously owned. Check out their used inventory at Miller 
AutoTeam.com. Miller Motors, they can find the vehicle that's right for you or any member of your family. So now is the time. Look, September. September is just hours away. You probably were thinking, let's get that transportation issue resolved before September. Well, maybe you can do it today. Skedaddle, as they often say. Skedaddle down to Miller Motors. Get there and ask them what they have, whether it's the new vehicles that may be coming in, deliveries ahead, or possibly something from the used vehicle inventory. Miller Motors on the Parkway in Vestal. you with the best solutions of your lifetime the kso insurance weekly spotlight with karen sweet o'neill on news radio 1290 wnbf and we are joined by karen sweet o'neill good morning good morning bob how are you good good i know you're busy this morning but uh, you can give us a quick overview of where things stand right now because i know people are always excited to hear our our live updates and and also to be able to hear from somebody who really is familiar with with lots of different uh, scenarios and obviously you're in a position to help people when they have to make big decisions where do things stand on this morning well, we were going to talk um, about uh, six different people, six ways to cope in this market. Uh, the New York Times put out a big article back a couple of weeks ago. It's very interesting. And different people in different um, age groups, different points in their life, different occupations. We've got Michael Lewis at 41, and he's the director of marketing and research. And he's saying, you know, with this market volatility, and that's what we're talking about, how do you cope in this market? Um, he's saying it doesn't hasn't rattled him like the 2008 crisis did. So he remembers when the mistakes he made then, Bob, which was basically he sold a lot of mutual funds at a loss. So he said what he's doing now, he's not doing anything. He's going to look at it as an opportunity to buy cheaper. Okay, and that's that's something that um, a lot of advisors will talk to their clients about. There's another gal. Um, she's in her 40s. And she takes the fire approach, which is involves maintaining frugal habits and stocking away as much as possible. I like that approach. And then we have different people with different age groups and what, what works for them. But the general um, indicator here, Bob, is we know that the market is bouncing all over the place. And we haven't even reached September yet, which, of course, is tomorrow, like you said, hours away. And September, um, historically, is a tough time in the market, tough month for the market. So what do you do? Well, if you're working with an advisor, we suggest you call your advisor and sit down with them and go over your portfolio. Make sure that you can withstand any hits. If you're not working with an advisor and you're working like with Vanguard or Fidelity, obviously you can call them or, you know, do Zoom calls or whatever you do um, to contact them. And you can always give us a call. You can come up um, and we're up on the Parkway, 1708 Vestal Parkway East. You can give us a call at 607-772-4898. You can Google us at KSO Insurance. All our contact information will come up. Or simply go to a phone book. We have a big display ad under insurance in the yellow pages. 
And if it's something that we don't specialize in, we work with a lot of financial advisors in the area, and we try to match you up personality and portfolio-wise. So we certainly um, will help you out with that as well. And obviously, Medicare is coming, open enrollment. And we'll talk about that again next week, Bob. Sounds good. Karen, hope you have a, a great day and enjoy the rest of the week. You too. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. It's 9.53 News Radio, WNBF. Bob Joseph here till noon. We do this every weekday morning from 9 to noon. It's live local talk. Some people say they should not allow live local talk on the radio anymore. Clearly, I beg to differ. I think this is the best thing that local radio can provide in 2022. And so, enjoy. Enjoy. The number to call is 607-772-1290. You're listening to News Radio WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming on WNBF.com. WNBF, the real station, doing real things every weekday morning. sweet that is sweet not so sweet is the um, word from doj about what uh, the former guy had over at his place and they did release a picture partially redacted documents shown with classified markings including colored cover sheets indicating their status the fbi agents reported finding in the former guy's office at his place so that's that's an interesting photo. It's too bad they wouldn't share more information with us. And of course, there's also a big box of Time magazine covers portraying the former guy. Here's the story, at least the top of the story, by Devlin Barrett in the Washington Post this morning. Former President Trump and his advisors repeatedly failed to turn over highly classified government documents even after receiving a subpoena and pledging a diligent search had been conducted leading to an FBI raid of his Florida home that found more than 100 additional classified items according to a blistering court filing by federal prosecutors not a regular court filing those are bad enough but a blistering court filing it traces the extraordinary saga of government officials' repeated efforts to recover sensitive national security papers from Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence and club centered on a storage room where prosecutors came to suspect that government records were likely concealed and removed and that efforts were likely taken to obstruct the government's investigation. The agents also came to doubt claims by Mr. Trump's team that the storage room was the only place where such documents might be found. So this, my friends, this, my friends, uh, appears to be serious. Appears to be. I don't know. In the end, who knows the whole story because nobody is even telling us much of the story. DOJ 
has told very little of the story. Most of what has been released by the federal government has been very, very sparse on details. And then you know who, the former guy, a.k.a. Donald John Trump, Queens native, loved by millions. He tells us what he wants to tell us, but so much of it doesn't even seem to be based in any sort of reality, so there's that. You know, based on the stuff he puts out in his fake tweets, who really knows what the story is? You know, if he was going to level with us for a change, that would be great. I would love to see just factual fake tweets from him. But so, much, so many of his fake tweets. I, I think there was one fake tweet that he put out yesterday, and it was just sad that a former president of the United States would tweet out something. I think it said, why are people so mean? Why are people so mean? Can you imagine if another former president, what if Jimmy Carter or George Bush or Barack Obama had tweeted out, why are people so mean? It's 10 o'clock at WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 64 degrees at 10.04. The forecast for today, mostly sunny, high in the mid to upper 70s. It could be a bit on the breezy side right now. The northwest winds have picked up 14 miles an hour steady, gusting to 21. Could have gusts as high as 23 miles per hour. The situation with power outages in Broome County is expanding. While the city of Binghamton, the number of customers for New York State Electric and Gas, still remains at 171, most of them in the Shenango Place area. We've now added on with those customers in Vestal from last hour, now some 96 customers in the town of Sanford in the deposit area on Decker Road and Indian Summer Boulevard, some other areas, Marsh Pond Road without power. NYSEG is anticipating for those areas restoration 1145 or around 1230 so we still have some power issues around the region got a report that we heard earlier today about a tree on a house but no injuries with that uh, apparently all due to those storms that swung through the area late yesterday afternoon and early evening well, the new gun control laws in New York State are about to go into effect, and signs are popping up all over announcing gun-free zones, including New York City's Times Square, designated as one of the sensitive places in the state of New York, including parks, churches, and theaters. There will be off-limits for guns under the sweeping new state law that takes effect on Thursday. The measure based, passed after a U.S. Supreme Court decision in June. Expanded gun rights also sets strangest standards for issuing concealed carry permits. New York is about among about a half dozen states that already had had key provisions of its gun laws invalidated by the high court ruling because of a requirement for applicants to prove they had proper cause for a permit. 
The quickly adopted law has led to confusion and court challenges from gun owners who say it improperly limits their constitutional rights. It also has led to a scramble for people to apply for concealed carry permits ahead of the deadline. Broome County Sheriff's Office is among those across New York that have been putting in long hours trying to work through a huge avalanche of pistol permit applications. In addition to those signs being posted all around the states at parks, churches, theaters, and other public gatherings for the gun-free zones, those seeking the concealed carry permits are looking to get their applications in before the new regulations require them to have hours of classroom and live fire exercises, disclose social media accounts, and go into interviews. Sheriff David Harder called in this morning and said his office, where they apply for gun permits, had opened at 7 a.m., and they're going to be closing at 5.30 today. Now, gun control could very well be among the issues residents bring up today to a couple Republican candidates at a town hall meeting in Broome County. Dutchess County Executive Mark Molinaro, who is running for the 19th Congressional District, and New York State Senator Fred Akshar, who is running for Broome County Sheriff, are hosting the meeting at VFW Post 1700 on Maple Street in Endicott at, 7 p- at 6 p.m. today. WMBF News Time 1008. A Tioga County man is accused of bringing a gun onto school grounds. While the first day of school is still days away, authorities are reporting a serious incident at a public facility last week. Waverly police say they arrested 47-year-old William McAuliffe of Waverly for criminal possession of a weapon on school grounds. That's a felony. Authorities say they arrested McAuliffe on Friday, August 19th at his home around 3.45 in the afternoon without incident. According to the news release issued days later, the police say the Waverly man was being accused of unlawfully possessing a firearm by knowingly stowing a rifle in a school-owned vehicle while it was parked on school property. The property in question was the Waverly Junior Senior High School. Police say McAuliffe was employed as a custodian with the Waverly Central School District at the time of the alleged incident. At the time of the news release, authorities say McAuliffe was arraigned in Tioga County Court and was held in lieu of bail at the Tioga County Jail. Hunting season opens tomorrow for sports people in parts of New York State looking to bag a Canada goose. The Department of Environmental Conservation says goose season in the upstate zone runs from September 1st through the 25th. Squirrel season also opens tomorrow. Migratory game bird hunting season starts later for the central and eastern Long Island zones, while the western Long Island zone is not until October. The other zones seasons run from September 6th through the 30th. Bird hunters do have to register every year with the DEC Harvest Information Program and be licensed through the Department of Environmental Conservation. Licensing and information on hunting seasons in New York State can be found at dec.ny.gov. In addition to finding out more information on the dates and regulations for hunting season, at the D, you can see website. Hunters could actually call 1-866-933-2257. WMBF Newstime, 1009. So- the WMBF Twin Tiers forecast, mostly sunny today, high in the mid to upper 70s. Winds gusting as high as 23 miles per hour, mostly clear tonight, low in the mid to upper 50s. Sunny tomorrow, high in the low 70s. Friday, sunny, high in the low 80s. Saturday, mostly sunny, high in the mid 80s. Sunday, mostly sunny, 40% chance of afternoon showers and a high in the mid 80s. Currently 64 in Binghamton. It's 10-11 where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WMBF, WMBF.com. And 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290 WMBF.
Bob Joseph, WNBF Live. It's Wednesday morning. It's August 31st. 607-772-1290. Again, the number is 607-772-1290. Or send an email to bob at wnbf.com. Well, let's see. What else do we need to discuss? Still curious. Of course I'm curious about the uh, big apartment building near the stadium. If it turns out to be nice, who knows? Maybe maybe I'll be living there because you know how much I love the stadium. So that would be convenient. Next to the bakery. As for the cost of the apartments, Carney said it would include a range with some of the lowest price units between five fifty and seven fifty. Hmm. All right, well, sign me up. Sign me up. <laughs> I mean what's not to like? I I wouldn't need a car. I could live downtown. I could walk across the street to all the ball games. Walk to work. He said applicants will be picked in a lottery and not first come, first serve. Hmm. I wonder if that could be rigged. He said there will be more applications than there will be apartments. On the units where we have a preference for artists, they'll get a preference. Well, I consider what I do an art. It's creative. Nobody else does it the way I do it, so... Consider me an artist. Give me a preference so I can get the penthouse suite at the stadium lofts. So, according to this story, and again, I'm referencing the story in the Present Sun Bulletin newspaper, of all places. Emily Barnes reported that the property was bought by the city in 2006 for $2,000 and the demolition of multiple blighted buildings on the site was completed in April. Actually, that's that's what I remember. <laughs> Taking pictures of the blighted buildings being torn down. So Ken Carney said a timeline for the overall project is still in the works. That's always the interesting thing and I think John from Binghamton touched on it in his call a short time ago. Announcements are a dime a dozen. I've lost track of all the big and medium-sized and small announcements I've covered over the years. But the fact is, the bigger the announcement is, it seems to me the more likely it is that it's not going to become a reality. Now, I'm not saying that's the case here with stadium lofts. I have every reason to believe that the stadium lofts will be built and the project will go forward as has been announced. But the reality is, whether it's something announced by local government or state and federal officials, the truth is so many projects have been announced with so much fanfare and enthusiasm, and then inexplicably nothing happens. It's sort of like the parking project over near Boscow's. Where is the parking garage? I mean, the site has been idle now, seems to me, for a, almost a couple of months. What's going on? Shouldn't they be building the 
Al Boscov Memorial Parking Garage. I mean, they should build the garage and name it in honor of the former president and founder of Boscov's, the man who decided to locate his department store here in downtown Binghamton. But at the moment, I see zero activity at the site. And here we are, August 31st. And you know what that means. We're two months from Halloween, and when Halloween gets here, that means the holiday shopping season starts. So where are all the enthusiastic holiday shoppers supposed to park when they go to Boscov's and the other fine businesses in downtown Binghamton? Yes, there's the parking garage over at 7 Holly Street. That's fine for young people like me who don't mind walking a couple of blocks. But what about some of the other people who might have mobility issues? What about them? Yeah, there's some parking on the street. There are a few dozen spots that have been carved out along Water Street. But is the parking garage going to be ready for the holiday shopping season? What's the timeline on that? I don't know. I don't know. The mayor, the mayor sent a, a reply back to me that he should have some information about the project there, the garage. And, of course, also let us not forget let us not forget that the garage project is just one half of that redevelopment project. It also includes lots and lots of apartments, even more apartments than the project that was announced Tuesday. So let's get some details. I think it's always great when these projects are announced and the outline is great and the we, we love looking at these renderings they look great on the front page of the newspaper i'm looking at it right now on the front page of the newspaper that looks great that's great but when is it going to happen what's when will they break ground when will they open nobody knows the timeline is being developed just like the timeline for the savin plant or the timeline for the big project at Link Park in Kirkwood. All sorts of timelines are still being developed. Sometimes they take several years or decades and the projects are still up in the air. Every once in a while people will say, well, why don't you get some answers on these projects? Well, if only it were that easy. And the truth is, some people who were enthusiastic at the time the projects were announced suddenly clam up when you ask them specific questions some months or years down the road. You know, what happened to the revitalization, the project that was supposed to go over at the highly touted Charles Street Business Park? Now, all we're going to get is people growing weed? I thought that was supposed to be the premier business park in America. Well, okay, there, I exaggerate. But going from all sorts of enthusiastic predictions of revitalization of the first ward with lots of high-paying jobs to the point now where the best we can do is have people growing weed 
which people have been growing successfully without government assistance for many years around here. The last I knew from people I have spoken with, there was a sufficient supply of weed already in the Binghamton area. So I don't know that an agricultural use of property that was supposed to be designated for high-tech industry, I don't know that that's the best possible use of that property in the first ward. But having said that, it's been idle now for so many years. I guess I guess we can come to the conclusion nobody wants to use that property for any sort of high-tech project, which is a shame because we need the jobs. We need the high-paying jobs that would help keep our most talented young people right here in Broome County. It's 1021. I'm Bob Joseph. On your side on News Radio WNBF. You wash your. Four lawyers, guns, and money. Yes, <laughs> that's the all-American song on this Wednesday morning. Taking calls at 607-772-1290 if you have ideas about where firearms should be prohibited because now they're putting up signs about where you should not bring your gun now that apparently every place is um, supposed to be good for guns well suddenly we see they're putting up signs big signs apparently i haven't seen one but they're putting up the signs where you can't bring your gun so if you have ideas about where you should not bring your gun if you want to suggest new locations for sensitive sites so guns will not be allowed call us right now at 607-772-1290 or even send an email to bob at wnbf.com one place, according to this list of locations submitted to me by Governor Kathy Hochul, one place you can't bring your guns anymore, public demonstrations and rallies. So that's interesting, which is, to me, I think that's actually a really good thing because I've covered some public demonstrations and rallies over the last few years. And to be honest with you, if I may speak freely, Sometimes, it turns out, people at public demonstrations and rallies don't like reporters. 
Not sure why, but I've covered a number of public demonstrations and rallies, and I'm constantly disappointed at the number of people who apparently harbor some sort of displeasure about reporters, especially about this particular reporter, someone that in most cases they most cases they don't know or haven't met, but they already they already know they don't like me. As soon as I identify myself as a reporter, right then they know I'm unlikable. So good news is, according to Kathy Hochul and the list that she provided to me of places where guns won't be allowed, public demonstrations and rallies. So that's a good place. Courthouses. That's a good place. All government buildings. Excellent. Libraries. Playgrounds, parks, and zoos. I agree. Health and medical facilities. Emergency shelters including homeless, youth, or domestic violence shelters. Excellent, excellent ideas. Also, believe it or not, they won't let you bring your gun into an entertainment venue, according to this list. So if you go into an entertainment venue, you must leave your gun outside somewhere, behind the trash can or whatever. I don't know. Public transportation? Also, a wise move. Bars and restaurants that serve alcohol. I think that's good. Bars and restaurants that don't serve alcohol, apparently you can bring in your gun. Times Square. Times Square, okay? Doesn't say anything about downtown Binghamton, but Times Square, no guns. Polling sites, houses of worship, educational institutions, as well as daycares, summer camps, and places where children gather. So I think it's a very comprehensive list. I think that Kathy Hochul has thought this through. Um, she probably will want to add a few places. I would like uh, newsrooms, radio, TV, and newspaper newsrooms. No firearms prohibited or no firearms permitted. But that's not on the list, so... Anyway, that, that all starts tomorrow here in the Empire State. So if you were curious about where your gun will not be welcome, apparently places that are not on this list, go right ahead and make our day. On the program, of course, Tuesday morning, we spoke with Sheriff David Harder about the crowds that have been showing up at the sheriff's office in recent days and they're just I understand I mean who wants to have to comply with new rules the new rules that take effect tomorrow who would want to jump through those hoops I mean, if you want a concealed carry permit of course you don't want to comply with those new rules extra training Come on, man. Who wants to go through 16 hours of classroom training plus a two-hour live-fire gun safety training course? Who has time for that? So I understand. Also, this provision requiring a 15-minute in-person interview before an application. Who wants to sit down and talk with the judge for 15 minutes? 
Actually, I do. <laughs> not, not about a concealed carry license. I'd, I'd love to do a 15-minute in-person interview with the judge, but they're too busy. They can't do interviews on this program because they're too busy interviewing people seeking these concealed carry permits. And so now they'll never have time to talk with reporters because, no, I'm sorry, Bob, the, the judge, believe it or not, the judge is conducting his seventh in-person interview for the concealed carry permit. Well, will he be available later? I doubt it. I doubt it. He's been jammed up. He's got these interviews booked till 2027. So indeed, as, as we mentioned in our coverage, and, and Sheriff Harder said his office uh, on average was processing about 800 permits a year. So think about that. A judge would have to sit down and interview face-to-face -face hundreds of people a year, 15 minutes. I could see a lot of judges deciding they, they no longer want to do that. They'd rather conduct interviews on a talk show <laughs> instead of have to interview so many applicants for the concealed carry permit. But anyway... The new laws, the new regulations will get underway tomorrow. So if you have any thoughts about sensitive sites, in addition to those we already mentioned, those were the ones that Kathy Hochul mentioned. Because, again, makes sense. You don't want guns at public demonstrations and rallies. I don't, I don't see any, any point at all in encouraging people to bring their guns to a public demonstration. I just don't. Well, you know, just in case. No, no, just in case. If you think you're going to need a gun at a public demonstration or rally, maybe you should stay home. It's the last thing we need. Because sometimes at public demonstrations and rallies, sometimes people get riled up. Look at January 6th. Paul from Vestal. Good morning. Well, thanks for taking my call. And by the way, another piece of gratitude for you even having the radio show. So I like reporters. Oh, thank <laughs> and, you. Thank you. Um, speaking about reporters, today's article uh, in the Binghamton paper kind of highlights a lot of the specifics about the whole thing with Trump and the classified records. I just, uh, for the heck of it, because whenever this comes up, the immediate response is, oh, look what Hillary did. So I went back and checked out what Hillary did, and, um, and now I remember some of that. A lot of her issues with the classification, they weren't clearly marked like the Trump records are. And there was only three that were clearly classified which they dealt with pretty expeditiously compared to what we're going through here. And uh, I think it's important because I am just, uh, how can I say, I'm fed up with the polarization of our both, both parties, to tell you the truth. And when we elect an official that's coming up, we got to realize that, that we're in a situation and I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say it's 
totally polarized, but 99% polarized. Last thing, let me just uh, put my two cents in at Boscov's. We just, we have been decimated in the Binghamton area uh, um, and, and shopping is one of the issues. And we should be helping Boscov's with all of our effort rather than having the garage, which is a significant uh, draw for Boscov's, tear down and, as you said, where the heck is it? They, well, so the question happening. now... Can you imagine how heartbreaking it would be if Al Boscov were still alive yeah. and then he came he came to Binghamton to see how things were progressing with the garage because he figured by now it'd probably be at least halfway done so they could have it open in time for um, right around Thanksgiving. What do they have that uh, the day after Thanksgiving where people go shopping? Yeah. And, and that way you can have welcome thousands of customers and they could even promote. They could have, uh, I don't know. Let me think uh, off the top of my head. They could call it the new parking garage sale at Bosco celebration. <laughs> I'm serious. And welcome yeah. people and, yeah. and say working elevators, security cameras, um, all clean. Nobody has taken a dump on the top. An excuse. Pardon my. I, but trust me, I've seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes. And it's it's just not pretty. Hopefully, they'll put up signs at the new parking garage that you know will point arrows to the public bathroom, so people don't need to uh, use the parking facility for unintended uh, purposes. But again, getting back to the main point, if they don't have a parking garage ready for holiday shopping season, that would give Boscovs a ready-made excuse to shut down the whole thing. Yeah. And I mean, we're already, as I said, decimated in this area. I'm originally from Utica, and it was funny because Utica went through its decimation when GE left, like IBM left this area. GE left Utica, and Utica went down the toilet for a long time. But they pulled themselves back up, and we've got a long ways to go yet, and we can't afford to be... Uh, jeopardizing uh, such a valuable store as uh, Boscos and uh, drawing, you know, people and money downtown. But thank you for your uh, efforts, and uh, I hope people, uh, if they get a chance to read that article, you know, read it. I'd like to talk to you probably more so when I've got some my ducks in a row with this, but uh, I, I'm, I'm very concerned. And I'll just say a few, a couple more things. This is not in isolation. You have a president who sits down with Putin without an interpreter, with a Russian interpreter only, and discusses God knows what national issues. Uh, and there is, uh, there is a lot of connections with Russia he was withholding, you know, weapons from Ukraine. He was trying to defang, yeah, defang is not the word, but really disrupt NATO. I, I don't think after all the, the, the patriotism that supposedly he portrays is just the opposite. And it's very concerning to me. I'm a veteran. I didn't have a bone spur in my foot. I had to serve during the Vietnam era. 
I can't see this guy being uh, commander-in-chief. Uh, it's very concerning to me. But thank you once more, and uh, hope I stir some uh, conversation. Well, I appreciate Bye. the call, Paul. Thank you now. 1038 from WNBF, WNBF.com, the station that cares about the nation. How many stations can actually stay, say that with a straight face? Dave from Vestal, good morning. Good morning, Bob. Uh, he already did see him as commander-in-chief, and he's going to I know. see it again. It, well, I, I doubt he's going to see it again, but it's, it's, certainly oh, within, well, it's certainly within the realm of possibility. And as they say on TV, heaven help us. No, he will. It's, it's, it's going to be very easy, actually, Bob. But that, that is the reason why I called. Um, this bit about guns and, and the rules that she's trying to make it so you don't want to even bother to try to get a, a conceal and carry. But you know what, Bob? We have a right to defend ourselves in this country. How many do the how many of the criminals have a conceal and carry? Do we ever do we ever check on that? Do you have any stats on that, Bob? No, the police don't give out any information. How would I know? The police withhold virtually every bit of information. So if I called the police right now, I could call the police chief's office and say, Chief, we had a call. We had a serious question from Dave and Vestal. Could you get me the statistics? And he would say, Bob, no, I won't. Click. So why, why would you ask such a question? Those statistics won't be released. They aren't going to be released to you. They won't be released to me. It's none of your business. I'm surprised you would even ask such a question. Well, they may tell you that, Bob. You know what? I'll answer it. I bet my house on it that less than 2% of the criminals with guns in this country have a conceal and carry permit. I'll including politicians? Wait, including politicians? Come on, man. What do you mean? Oh, you're calling them as criminals? Well, you have a point there. A lot of them are. I didn't say politicians. Oh, politicians are criminals. I'm saying some criminals are politicians. And I bet, here's what I bet, many politicians who actually are criminals also have a concealed carry permit. I can't prove it. It's just a gut feeling. But, but you know what, Bob, in our Constitution, uh, it says nothing about the right to defend ourselves that we need a license for. So you know what? We're not going to jump through hoops. We're going to defend ourselves. We are going to carry without permits. Many people do it, and even more are going to do it now. She's just going to push the button. People are not going to go walk around defenseless, especially the way the country is today. Well, that might be good news for uh, New York State prison employees who are worried about their jobs because of the decreasing number of inmates. There, I said the word inmates being held in state prisons. Now, if more people actually violate the new state law, they might be going to prison, so that can help preserve some of the uh, jobs at, at many of the facilities that we need in upstate New York. Not to worry, Bob. I'm not worried. I'm not worried, but I know what. I know when somebody gets convicted of a felony for violating some provisions of the new laws, I know we're going to get some calls with people griping about it. Oh, Bob, do you know what the Democrats want to empty all the prisons? They're stupid. So you got it made. You can defend yourself. You can go to prison for about 10 minutes, and they'll empty them all. That's the way they're doing business now. Well, you better watch out because you, you might be operating under a false premise. Kathy Hochul 
when she's reelected, as many people believe will happen, I say reelected, when she's actually elected to a, a full four-year term. She, of course, is the accidental governor. But uh, if she does win a full four-year term, she'll probably take steps to see to it that people who violate provisions of this new state gun law uh, wind up serving prison terms. She'll probably want to make examples out of some people. That's how they, that's how they try to get voluntary compliance, by, by singling out some, some people who violated the law and then giving a lot of publicity when they get sentenced to a year in prison. The way it's going, Bob, people just can't afford to to take the time. Like you said, there's just she's made it much more difficult. They have a right to protect themselves, and, and, and you're just going to see more and more people. They're gonna, people are going to be buying all the guns and ammo they can for many many years to come because we're going downhill. And they're going to want to defend themselves. There's just, there's just no way around it, Bob. Well, secretly, then, maybe that's what her intent is, to help boost the New York state economy. Because if people buy billions of dollars in additional guns, that's, that's going to mean enhancing the upstate economy. And probably gun stores will be hiring. Yeah, well, yeah, you know? I mean, yeah, you gotta, you got to defend yourself, Bob. That's the bottom line. You can't depend on the police anymore. You can't depend depend on law enforcement. They can't get there in time. You're dead before they get there. It just doesn't work, Bob. It's like the wild, wild west. You've got to be a faster draw than the bums. That's how it's got to be. Well, I appreciate the call. It's 1043 at WNBF, com. Ron in Fenton. Good morning. I believe we've lost the connection with Ron, but he may wish to reconnect. Our number, of course, is 607-772-1290. If you'd like to call and talk about guns, whether you think more sensitive locations ought to be designated, where in Binghamton should the sensitive locations be where you can't be packing heat starting tomorrow? I'm going to drive around Binghamton when the program is over. Starting at 12.01, you'll see me driving the Bob Mobile all around Binghamton, maybe Johnson City, Endicott, and Vestal. I'll be looking for signs, any sign that says, you can't carry your gun here. So if you see a sign, send me an email. If you spot somebody put, putting up a sign that says, guns not allowed here, let me know, because I want to take a picture of that sign. 607-772-1290. Live and local on a Wednesday morning. Bob Joseph on News Radio WNBF. I WNBF <laughs> can't outrun Smith and Wesson. 
Yeah. Vic from the Forks, good morning. Not even on a cold. Good morning, yeah. Bob. Yeah. I'm changing my uh, my air name tomorrow. Did you did you hear? Uh, we're actually going to hold a news conference at two, but I'll give our our listeners a preview of my new air name starting tomorrow to help attract uh, a certain demographic to the talk program. Oh yeah, I think I might know what that new name is. Johnny Glockmanelli. Johnny Glockmanelli. Hey, listen, I, w- I want to. Uh... I'll give my spiel on uh, Kathy Hochul and her gun control laws. This shows that our legislator doesn't do anything. I, I know whether they're Republican or Democrat, they don't do anything. Because when you put gun-free zone laws up in place that are in public areas that aren't fenced in, uh, that, that there is absolutely zero protection, then there should be a sister law to that same gun-free law zone that says if you are shot or someone you love is shot in a gun-free zone, then that property owner of that zone, whether it be state, county, or private citizen, is liable to an unlimited lawsuit for being shot in the gun-free zone because they took away your right of self-protection. You can't protect yourself in a gun-free zone because you're not carrying you can't expect the government to protect you because, hey, it's a gun-free zone and there might be 20,000, 30,000 people at a rally. And where do all the all these active shooters like to shoot? They, they like to shoot up like they did in Las Vegas. They like to shoot up in schools. Matter of fact, 18 of the last school shootings or mass shootings, not school shootings, mass shootings, were done with a legal gun. You talk about stats, they, that was done with a legal gun. But 16 of them were done with illegal guns, and that's from 1984 to 2022. So uh, those stats can be Googled, but uh, and I'm pretty sure I got it right because I Googled it about an hour ago when you were talking about it. And my, my mind isn't as good as it used to be 35 years ago. But I would like to say, Bob, that if I'm in a gun-free zone and somebody's going to pull a gun and start shooting people, Who's going to stop them? Because nobody that obeys the law has a gun. Am I right? I mean, they got to put that sister law in. If you get shot in a gun-free zone, then the state is accountable for that, as well as the property owner, because the state is the one that disarmed its citizens and the right to protect themselves, which the Constitution clearly gives us a right to protect ourselves. Unfortunately, uh, a, a lot of people have protected themselves with a gun in, in, in a store, in a bar, in a parking lot, uh, in a parking garage. People have protected themselves with guns. And they might not have been a gun-free zone, but they stopped mass shootings in the past. They stopped shootings of their own family. They stopped carjackings. Uh, a gun is the right of every citizen of the United States given to us by God and by country. We have the right to defend ourselves. And when they take that right away with this silly liberal BS, then somebody's got to be held accountable. And I think that anybody that's listening to my voice right now, I think if they have a gun, they should not give it up. They don't give it up, and they should carry it with them all the time. Because I'd rather be in a crowd with 10 legal gun owners uh, than zero. 
It's just that way. I mean, let's face it, Bob, everybody's shooting up crowds. And now they want to, they might as well put a sign up. Instead of a gun-free zone, they might as well put a sign up saying public target range because that's what that gun-free zone sign is going to say to the people that want to go do a mass shooting. Public target range. Come shoot up until you get shot yourself, if you get shot yourself. Well, hopefully that won't happen, and we'll see how it works starting tomorrow. The law will take effect, I believe, in about 13 hours and 8 minutes and 2 seconds. Tom in Binghamton, good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, I had a meeting with Carol Sweet O'Neill this morning, and very professional, very helpful, very nice, and I would have never known about her if it wasn't on your radio station. I just wanted to tell you that. Well, thank you for sharing that. Karen Sweet O'Neill has uh, had a very long association with WNBF uh, for well, I don't know when it exactly started, but for many, many years, she's been uh, very much a part of uh, First News Binghamton for a long time now and here on the talk program, too. So um, fortunately, I think she realizes, too, that uh, many of the, the people who need the type of advice that she is uh, able to provide they listen to wnbf so i think it's uh, i think it's a really good match and i uh, do appreciate your calling in to acknowledge that yeah she spent 50 minutes with me and she actually said keep the plans that i have you know, you know she didn't make a dime off me but she's that that's how professional this woman is she's great well she is a great person and tom i thank you for uh, sharing your experience thank you have a good day bob Thank you. 1053 at News Radio, WNBF, WNBF.com. 607-772-1290 is the number to call. The email address is bob at WNBF.com. We are here for you. We bring you the talk show for 15 hours a week. It's, in some radio circles, viewed as a luxury. Some radio outfits don't think they can afford to have live local talk well we can and we do it and we do it for you we don't do it for our health and i don't stand here and by the way i stand for every minute of this three-hour program sometimes people come into the studio and they say bob where is your comfortable leisurely chair we've seen talk show hosts what they do on the radio and they're usually slumped back in some sort of comfy chair i say no no i do it the old-fashioned way that way i can think on my feet Right here at News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available to you on the WNBF app. You're in. News Radio 1290, WNBF. I want to fly. I want to fly to Florida to interview that guy. I talk to the Florida guy. <laughs> book me a flight, Dano. Heck, book me two flights. Ah. The BGM fly that thing. But I can't fly. 
fly to Florida, Bobby. But I want to go to Florida, Timmy. Captain Timmy. Just fly me to Florida, Timmy. Well, it wouldn't hurt to fly to Florida, especially, I will say, oh, I don't know, January 22nd, maybe January 29th. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, it's not that I don't love Binghamton in January and February. It's just that I know some people in Florida who would, I'm sure, be very pleased to host me for a week. Yeah, I could do an investigative project in Florida for, say, the first week of February. What about that? What if I did that? And then talk to the Florida guy. Hey, Florida guy, what's going on? Steal any secret documents late lately? Could I read them? <laughs> Can I have a couple of top secret documents? It's 11 o'clock. Bob Joseph on WNBF Binghamton. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Well, it looks like another nice day for us today after a little bit of a rocky afternoon with strong thunderstorms ushering in a cold front. Mostly sunny skies. High temperatures in the mid to upper 70s, lower humidity. Winds could be gusting, though, as high as 23 miles an hour tonight for today. Tonight, mostly clear skies, temperatures dipping into the 50s. Well, it was a busy night for New York State Electric and Gas crews. They had to deal with power outages scattered around the region. A majority of the problems as of 2 o'clock this morning were actually in the city of Binghamton, where power was reported out to over 600 customers in the downtown region. That included Hawley and State Streets, Shenango, Court, Susquehanna Streets, most customers had their power restored before the morning commute. Binghamton Police reported no major issues other than a few intersections that required supplemental traffic control as the traffic signals were out. The Tioga County Sheriff's officials had said that there had been some flickering of the lights at the public safety facilities as a string of strong thunderstorms swept through starting before 5 p.m. yesterday, traveling west to east. No major issues reported. Likewise, very scattered power interruptions were reported by NYSEG in the town of Norwich in Shenango County that lingered past midnight. As for the heavy rainfall, once again, no serious problems, maybe a little debris in the low areas and the poor drainage spots. Now, prior to the whole system moving through, PennDOT already had some problems. The Pennsylvania Department of Transportation had reported a tree and wires down in Susquehanna County that closed a road for the overnight. At 2.20 p.m. yesterday, PennDOT reported that the State Route 92 was closed from the intersection of Milford and Owego Turnpike to the intersection of Franklin Road in Lenox Township, and that was not expected to reopen until 8 o'clock this morning. Plans to revitalize a neighborhood around Binghamton's baseball stadium now includes a multi-million dollar housing project with also commercial space. City of Binghamton officials were joined by developer Ken Kearney to announce the plans for the $24 million stadium lofts housing project on four vacant and city-owned properties at the intersection of Henry and Chapman Streets. 
The proposal by the Kearney Group includes 70 apartments in a four- to five-story building. Up to half of the residential units are due to be marketed toward those who work in the arts. The plans also call for ground floor commercial space geared toward small businesses. Developer Ken Kearney says the group will apply for affordable housing credits through the New York State Homes and Community Renewal Program. That will happen in the next few weeks, and it all is looking toward a possible groundbreaking for the housing and mixed-use project sometime next year. A Shimon County man is facing charges in neighboring Tioga County following a traffic stop. Tioga County sheriffs say 40-year-old Brian David Strong of Horseheads was stopped by deputies on West Avenue in the village of Owego on Monday at around quarter after 6 in the morning. During the stop, the authorities say they discovered illegal narcotics. Strong is charged with felony criminal possession of a controlled substance, criminal possession of a controlled substance with intent to sell, as well as criminal use of drug paraphernalia packaging materials and criminal use of drug paraphernalia in the form of scales. Strong was sent to the Tioga County Jail without bail to await his next appearance in the village of Owego Court. No firm date for that court appearance has yet been set. The Broome County Sheriff's Office has been a crowded place as people apply for concealed weapon permits before new regulations take effect. New York residents who want to avoid the additional requirements must apply for a concealed carry license before tomorrow. Sheriff David Harder says there's been a big jam of people who want to file their paperwork at the department's headquarters in the town of Dickinson. The New York State regulations will require applicants to provide a list of former and current social media accounts over the last three years. Posts would be reviewed to determine whether people seeking a permit are of, quote, good moral character. Those seeking a concealed carry license would face a 15-minute in-person interview before an application could be approved. The law also mandates a 16-hour classroom and two-hour live-fire gun safety training course. Retired law enforcement officers would also need to apply for a concealed carry license. This is where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WMBF, WMBF.com and 92.1 FM. Joseph taking calls right now at 607-772-1290. Or if you want, why not send an email to me right now, bob at wnbf.com. Some documents. Give me some top secret documents. Former guy. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't uh, want his problems. But then again, he wouldn't want my problems either. So there is that. We do have some commonality there. On, uh, wow, is it really August 31st? Where did the month go? 
I'll tell you, August just flies right by, and then it's September, and before you know it, the kids are demanding expensive candy, despite the contrived candy shortage on the part of that company that makes candy in Mexico. Remember that? They put out the news release. Oh, we think we're going to have a candy shortage for Halloween, which I said, uh, no, there'll be plenty of candy for Halloween. You, candy company people who continue to lay off great candy producers in the U.S. and Canada, you are just trying to get people to buy more candy. I saw right through that little ploy. All right, let's go to the phones. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? I'm Matthew Ryan. Oh, you again. You know, how the heck... That's what people want to know. How the heck do you always get through? You you must have some sort of special hotline to the show. Well, I called before the news, and Kathy said, you know, it's almost news time, so as soon as news was over, I dialed the phone and you answered. There you go. And actually, it's true. Kathy did relay the message, so she did... She did let me know to expect you. So anyway, what's uh, what's going on, Matt from Binghamton? I was the mayor who uh, supported mayors against illegal guns. Here's what I don't get. First of all, every you know, my good buddy Vic says uh, it's God and country that we that gives us the right to to carry guns. Well, the, um, the Constitution is really what uh, gives us the right to have any kind of guns and. The Second Amendment reads, a well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state, uh, the right of people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That's, and that's obviously up to what the Supreme Court does. The Supreme Court in Heller said that you could have one for self-defense, but it didn't, still said that guns could be regulated. There's no God's guns and country um, rationale for guns. It's the law. It's the law that matters. And states are, are, are you know, wrestling with the new thing that says uh, New York, in New York State, a case out of New York State where it said you can't, uh, you can't restrict, you know, people from having concealed weapons. Well, we see what that brings us in Texas, and if you if, if you have, take any time to do the um, the math, the more proliferation of guns leads to more deaths. Usually, outside the criminal, it's usually about suicides. It's about accidents. So, if you want a country that's um, awash with guns, and look, how many look? I, I was mayor, obviously, when the horrible thing happened at at uh, at um, uh, you know at where at the um, American Civic Association. Civic Association. I'm sorry, the Civic Association, and you know, would, could that have been? Do you think uh, any of the people in there who uh, unfortunately got killed would have been uh, people who should have had a gun to fight off this guy? Uh, you know, I don't know. Obviously, lots of security has increased uh, for these reasons because these mass shootings have. Uh, proliferated, but the thing that gets me is the same people who say I have a right to carry a gun. Uh, you know, the, uh, and it's supposed to be for self-protection. But when we all know, if you're honest, that it's those same people who won't fight back against the NRA, who's trying to proliferate people not having just guns but AR-15s. 
that's where the problem lies. These mass shootings are almost all about AR-15s and and uh, automatic weapons, which are even we saw just in Texas with the school shooting recently. Those cops were completely afraid to go in and do something about what was happening because they knew the kid had an AR-15. I mean, and and these same people that want to have gun these guns, they're saying that so we can protect ourselves. The real way we protect ourselves is by making sure that people don't have access to these kinds of mass destruction weapons. So the debate continues, but don't make it sound like, tell me one time, one shooting around here, and there's been too many, obviously. Tell me one that would have that's been documented that would have been prevented by uh, somebody having a weapon on them. I mean, well, that's that's very difficult, I guess impossible. I, I don't want to spend too much time about what happened on April 3rd, 2009 on Front Street at the ACA building, but right. it, it does, I mean, since, look, that happened when you were mayor and a few weeks after it happened, that's when you joined the group, Mayors Against Illegal Guns, um, and you became one of hundreds of mayors who were part of that group, but it is one of those questions we can never know for sure. Say if one person, just a single person in that building, legally possessed a gun, could they have taken action and, I know the police would say neutralize the, the shooter or whatever, I would say killed the guy with the gun, killed the bad guy with the gun, would lives have been saved? I think, most, I think... Most, and, of, the and, mass, most of the mass... Um Mass shootings recently have happened in in Texas. A lot of them, and yeah. and uh, there's they're one of them. I mean, they're they're almost passing laws that require people to carry guns, and none of those things are being prevented because it's very hard. No matter unless everybody has an AR-15, is that the society we want to live in? Well, if, we, uh, probably, probably. If you ask the NRA leaders, they probably would say yes. That's the society we want to live in. That's not the society I want to live in. I want to live in a society where I can feel safe walking down Court Street or any street, or walking into any business, or walking to a, a public demonstration or rally or or any place without having to give any second thought to the possibility somebody who may be deranged or may be having mental health issues will we'll come in and, and shoot up the place. That's I and think exactly, that's all we want. And that was just mentioned this morning on your show that one of the things that Kathy Hochul did, uh, one of the areas is not being able to take guns to demonstrations. Um, you know, people are demonstrating. That's a very good idea, if you ask me. Sure. If there's, if there's you know, usually demonstrations have a, um, a lot of cops around, to control the situation anyway. So isn't it a good idea? Isn't that a great law? Isn't that a great... Um, I think that part, I, I would be surprised if anybody would disagree with that, regardless of what, what your political view is or even what your philosophy is about guns. I I think, and, and again, no matter what type of public demonstration or rally, because I've covered uh, a few over the last two or three years here in Binghamton and, you know, involving some people from different sides of the political aisle, I see absolutely no 
good that could ever come from any single person, aside from law enforcement, having uh, having a gun at one of those things. Even, let's face it, most people, even if they have um, a concealed carry permit and they have a legal gun and they do have it with them, they certainly don't intend to use it on the spur of the moment or inappropriately. But Hey, we're human. We never know what would what, what happen. Sometimes in a demonstration, might be some crosswords, or somebody might accidentally bump into someone, or even intentionally bump in or shove someone, and then it escalates, and someone winds up dead when it certainly didn't have to happen. So it's they're they're well, definitely. You know, and I will agree that probably most of the people that are calling in defending the right to carry a gun aren't criminals, and they don't, and they really believe. Uh, that they're somehow going to, you know, have some self-protection against these kinds of things. I, I re- but I really believe that the better way to do that is to uh, join. I mean, it wasn't always the NRA that supported this kind of craziness. In fact, uh, when I was growing up, it was totally different NRA, and now it's gotten completely radicalized and. Well, plus, don't don't you think that much of the NRA's funding comes from an industry that stands to gain from selling more guns? Don't you think that's exactly. part of it? I mean, every time they every time they put out the scare after a mass shooting, uh, how many more people go buy guns? Well, or even even in recent years, when there's been talk of of tougher state or federal gun laws, uh, inevitably, after those news reports come out inevitably gun sales spike i, I mean it's all, almost you you would almost think that the people in the lucrative gun industry must love it because it it, here's, here's it, it like helps it helps build sales leave us liberals that don't like guns out of it have all the gun owners the legal gun owners get together in in the state of new york have a big conference and say okay wh- how can we best not be infringed on to carry weapons because we're law-abiding citizens. We're not going to use them in, uh, in a, a bad situation. But how? What is the best way we can regulate guns that will really protect society and make it so we don't have the wild wild west? Because that's that's the point I think where we will save most lives and it makes most sense. And I would suggest that most of those uh, thoughts that would come out of that that group of people who are Honest gun, lo- you know, gun lovers use them for target shooting or hunting or, or and self protection. Would come up with some very common sense rules, if. But they they just seem to so many of them seem to just adhere to this mantra of uh, you know they're going to come and take away our guns. It's such a joke. We have so if if they were going to come and take away your guns, they would have done it already. And there's no evidence that anybody's coming to take away your guns. So get together, all you gun owners, get together, figure out the rules that will help protect society the most, and won't and won't you know you have to consider everything. You have to consider the proliferation of guns. Go look at the Brennan report. How many you know? How many? How much suicides went up when guns were proliferated, for, especially for veterans and all, all sorts of people. It, it, you know, it's a complex issue, but. As long as you listen to the mantra of the NRA and the people who think uh, everybody should carry a gun, we're not going to have a safe society if that happens. We're going to have a more unsafe society. And I think Texas kind of proves the point. Appreciate the call. That's Matt from Binghamton. 
former Binghamton Mayor Matthew Ryan, 1122 at News Radio WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph, taking your calls at 607 772 1290. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Um, Vinny from Binghamton. What's up? Bob, I like that. I think the mayor brought up a, a, a nice subject to talk about, and I, um, about the guns. And I, my question has always been, and, and I always thought it was the biggest piece of the puzzle. I would love to uh, see something where the the state troopers, the sheriff's department, all the leads, the city police sergeants, the top people, get together. I'd like to hear their view of automatic rifles. These are the guys that are on the front lines, guys. What is it? And they seem to be the only ones that really can't say anything. Or if they say anything, it's usually after a shooting. But what do they feel about these assault rifles out there? What do they feel about this protective gear that you can get? Well, it's what interesting. I mean, to your point, to your point, at least locally, say after the terrible shooting at the top supermarket on Buffalo's west side in May, and the alleged shooter came really from Binghamton's backyard, from Conklin, and, and he's being held and, and ultimately uh, may be tried on serious charges and probably will never see freedom again. But isn't it interesting, to the best of my knowledge, not a single top law enforcement official, a police official, whether it's the police chief of Binghamton, Johnson City, Endicott, Vestal, Port Dickinson, um, state police, the the major in charge of Troop C. I haven't heard any of them speak out uh, about just that issue. What they think about the availability of guns like that, the fact that that teenager from Conklin was able to go to the gun store on Nanakoke Avenue in Endicott and buy that type of weapon, and then, according to the authorities in Buffalo, use it to kill people. Well, it was interesting about my, my next-door neighbor, very good friend of mine. He was a cop. Oh, we talk about this all the time. He was a cop in New Jersey, major, major city down there, for 32 years. And I'd ask him all these questions about the tests that you have to take and the things that he would tell me. Um, and I asked him about this. I said, I said well, Mike, why, why don't they, the cops come out and say something? He goes, Vin, we can't. He goes, they, they really can't. It's a very weird situation, and he just said that they can't. And I'm like, you know, you guys are on the front line. Now, this is com- like, again, this is coming from a, a, a parent that has a son that's in law enforcement. And these guys are on the front line, yet they can't say anything. I, and, I'm, and I'm telling you, I guarantee you, I almost put my life on it. They will say, we don't want these automatic rifles. Well, and, and that's that's probably there. true. And I, I can tell you at the moment, there probably are dozens of law enforcement men and women who are out patrolling our streets in, in Broome County who are listening to this program in between going uh, in between jobs, you know, going from one call to the next. But they do listen to this program. And I know many of them would like to be able to call in to express their personal views, but of course that's not allowed. And I respect that. I also understand that if you're going to run a, a police department, allowing allowing on the job, or even if they were off duty, but if they're still still in service before retirement, yep. you can't. You just can't have have police officers or 
you know, sadly, even other government employees, as much as they listen to the program, and man, there's, I run into them uh, throughout every week with people who uh, talk to me off air just in the course of my reporting. They say, I heard the program this morning. I wish, I really wish I could call because I had something important to contribute, but you know, and I know too. Yep. And, I, and again, yeah. I respect that. I, I would never say, oh, well, you know, Mayor Cram, allow just one day a week, allow city employees to start calling in and talking about anything. I mean, that wouldn't work either. So yeah, I, I fully appreciate why there are guidelines like that. I mean, can you imagine yeah. the chaos if every time there was any type of issue in Binghamton or Broome County that government employees started calling into this program? I mean, might be might be a fun program, but I'm not sure that attempting to run government under those circumstances would would work very well. Well, you, you know, Bob, like what happened down in Texas with this kid going in and shooting up all of them, and then all of a sudden it turned to how law enforcement reacted and all the mishaps they did, and let's fire this chief. And, and all of a sudden we forgot about the shooter. It was the cops' reaction, how they did it. And I'm thinking, my God, what if something... God forbid happened something close to us. Who are we going to be watching? How the cops reacted, or who shot? Who, you know who. Well, who in shot the end, school? in the end, because because of such a tremendous loss. I mean, let's face it. In that case in Texas, the shooter is dead. So, yes, people can and are angry about the carnage caused by the shooter, but they're also just angry about the insufficient police response and the fact is that the school police chief and the other law enforcement officers who responded to the active shooting uh, situation you know they're of yeah. course they're going to be targeted whether it's fair or unfair i mean i i, I fully appreciate the the outrage the anger and all the other feelings that parents and friends and members of the community in texas have but I also, yeah. because I know law enforcement people, I I sympathize with with the law enforcement officers and their families too. There, they will never anybody who responded to that in any capacity is never going to be the same again. They also are victims. Might not be popular to say, and I don't know that I would say that yeah. if I was on the radio in Uvalde, Texas. But they're victims yeah. too. And they're going to forever need counseling and care and support from the community and from their f friends and family. Because the same after those uh, people, law enforcement and EMS and everybody else who responded to the ACA shooting, they were yeah. also victims. Yeah. There were there were more victims of the Front Street tragedy in April of 2009 than just those who were shot. Right. And we, and it's so funny. We, we forget about how did he get this weapon and what weapon did he use? You know, it, it gets so distorted. It gets so political. It gets so it's it's nonsense, man. It's absolutely nonsense to be in 2020 and having this type of stuff go on. It's it's something. But like I said, you you got you got to feel sometimes for these cops. They have to go into this situation because they can't run. They got to go towards the fire. They got to go towards the shooting. And and, and they're human too. I don't care what yeah. what kind of training they have. I mean, look, you can do as many um, 
specialized training units and active shooter drills for law enforcement. You could also have all sorts of uh, protective gear, but until you actually get a, a call where there's an active shooter in a school or some other public place, and and especially in that type of situation, I mean, clearly nobody disputes that that the uh, there was a lack of leadership at the scene, but that's true. And I'm not saying it's good or right, but that's true at so many scenes, early stages. I see all sorts of police uh, responses to all, all types of things. And in the early minutes of something, there may not be a, a good leadership because, for, for one thing, the police are arriving and attempting to size up the situation in real time as well, trying to figure out if it's really a serious situation or if it's nothing sometimes calls calls are received and police are dispatched to a scene of something that sounds terrible and it turns out that there was simply a misunderstanding yeah yeah absolutely this is something i my, my son was home a couple weeks ago like i said and we were talking about it and he was telling me that, that you know that we're starting to train some of the teachers down there in florida i said you i, got, I said well listen i know you got a job to do but uh you know, it's going to be one of those situations where uh, you, you can see it coming. A teacher is going to get take too much. They'll shoot a student, or the, something will happen. Well, inevitably, unfortunately, that's that's probably going to happen, and it may happen sooner than later. And there will be another, another uproar. Un unfortunately, we just have to brace ourselves for for that eventuality, because it's it's human nature i mean there will be all sorts of potential disputes and all sorts of things that happen in the normal course of a school day and and unfortunately like so many things in life one one normal event can go off the rails so quickly and even after the fact when people are analyzing what went wrong why did it go so bad so quickly and even after you interview everybody involved or maybe analyze if there are audio or videotapes even then you can't understand why people behaved exactly the way they did yeah or, or bob here here you go you'll have one writer somewhere will say should we now give teachers mental health tests before they become teachers you're gonna you're gonna all of a sudden oh here we go just nonsense after nonsense after not like you said one thing just takes everything off the rails yeah. We've got a teacher shortage now, so you know, yeah. here we that's, go. That's tough. We're going to, the way things are going on, we're going to have teacher shortages, police officer shortages, and radio talk show host shortage, shortages. Nobody will want to do <laughs> yeah. any job because sometimes people ask, well, what's the upside? You know, there yeah. is, there's always traditionally been an upside to being a teacher, to being a police officer, and to being a talk show host. But these days, there are also, more than ever, there are other issues that do cause people to think twice about the viability of their career choices. Right. Appreciate Absolutely. the call. Uh-huh. Thanks. 1134, I'm Bob Joseph on News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. Looking for
anything you want on the radio? You got it. it. On WNBF, WNBF WNBF.com. And when you want the news, of course, we bring it to you on the radio here on air at 92.1 FM and 1290 AM. But sometimes you just really want the news right now. Like, how do you like that sound effect? Real sound effects, too. Uh, But say, if you want the news now, go to WNBF.com and get your news right now. For example, I'm just typing in WNBF.com. Wow, it's it's simple. It's fun. And you get the uh, latest uh, stories, the uh, storm-related outages that NYSEG is dealing with, that big housing development in the stadium districts, pistol permits, everybody wants one. I'm looking at all the feature stories. Uh, a guy... Arrested for drugs in a week. Can you imagine that? And then a, a story about a wolf at your door. Imagine a wolf at your door. And then a story about get your goose. <laughs> and then a story about a crash in Susquehanna. So the bottom line is there is a lot of news. Some people say, well, Bob, in 2022, where can you really get local news? To which I reply, the best place is WNBF.com. However, having said that, of course, I may be biased. Having said that, WNBF.com, as a good local news source, I encourage you to support all local journalism. All. I make no exceptions. So if you see a local journalist practicing the craft, support him or her. I'm not kidding. People say, well, aren't they competitors? Well, maybe from a business standpoint, but from their mission standpoint, is do you think the newspaper or the TV stations or public media or whatever, do you think they're really competitors from a, a journalistic standpoint? Really, we're all working, striving for the same thing. We're trying to get information to you as quickly and accurately as possible. So, Again, I don't care who the reporter is or if you happen by chance to see a photojournalist or an editor, no matter what capacity they work in local media, because content does not produce itself. Some people still are under an illusion that, oh, well, content, we can get rid of all the local news organizations and then the content will just show up on the Internet. Well... That would be nice. Maybe in dreamland that would happen. In real life, it doesn't happen. And look, more and more and more communities in this great country are becoming news deserts. And it's complicated. And you've heard discussion about it on this program in the past, so you don't need me to rehash everything that's involved and and why... The media infrastructure, especially at the local level, is in a hurting state, but do what you can to support what exists. If you can support it financially, and you know how to do that, whether you're talking about commercial or public or whatever, support local journalism. 
As elected officials might say, it's a wise investment. It's a wise investment. Support the news organizations that provide you with the facts, the facts you need to live in 2022. It's Bob Joseph with you, live and local on your Wednesday morning, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available to you on the WNBF app. The power is out to some people in downtown Binghamton. People are almost our neighbors here at WNBF. And if you're listening to us, we uh, hope you're coping okay with no electricity. It's never a fun thing, but bottom line is now in the city of Binghamton, NYSEG reporting 171 customers. I believe they're all generally at the Shenango Place apartment building. I think it's 100 Shenango Place. And maybe a few other customers nearby on Shenango Street. 171 customers without power. The power is out. NYSEG suggests that the power could be restored in about two hours. So that's the latest guidance from NYSEG elsewhere in Broome County. 11 customers in the town of Vestal, Underwood Road, without power. 122 in the town of Sanford, without power. So the total number of NYSEG customers in Broome County without electricity right now, 305. Tioga County, one customer. That's um, someone in the town of Newark Valley. Um, Shimong County, 72 customers including some people in the towns of Elmira and Catlin. In total, total number of NYSEG customers now without electric service, according to the utilities website, is 584. So we'll try to keep you posted in the hours ahead as NYSEG releases additional information. It's Bob Joseph with you, 607-772-1290. Going to talk about power, you're going to talk about guns, going to talk about new housing developments in Binghamton. You can. You can also send an email, bob at wnbf.com. We're live and local for you at 1148 on your Wednesday morning. Let's face it. Eleven fifty from WNBF, WNBF.com, broadcasting from the most beautiful studio in upstate America. It should win awards. It should. It just hasn't yet.
you go. It's a classic. You can never go wrong with the classics. It's that and Sinatra. Am I right, people? Tomorrow, here's uh, program information from WNBF. We are pleased to announce that Broome County Executive Jason Garner will be discussing official county business. So if you want to know about official county business, tune in tomorrow to WNBF. And I will ask County Executive Jason Garner a few questions. By the way, uh, along those lines, if you have a few questions as well for Jason Garner, you could submit them to bob at wnbf.com. And I may ask some questions from viewers like you. So if you have a question that you think pertains to official county business, then send it to bob at wnbf.com. All right, let's look at email. Uh, oh, Jesse from Owego. Interesting day. What a day, Bob, and what a show. You got a lot of great callers out there. Agree or disagree? A lot of subject matter was talked about. Enjoy. Thank you, Jesse in Owego. Uh, somebody from NYSEG. Thank you, Kelly from NYSEG. <laughs> She's looking, looking into the matter. Uh, what else? Uh, oh, that'll be interesting. Robertson Museum, that's interesting. Oh, Ron from Binghamton. Luma Idea. Bob, when you were talking with John from Binghamton, you re referred to a building that you thought was architecturally lacking. Here's an idea. During Luma, have a better-looking building projected on the inadequate building. At least we would have a great-looking structure, if only for the moment. I like that. question is, in downtown Binghamton, what are the ten buildings most likely to qualify for that honor? <laughs> I know some people are saying, well, the Binghamton Now building, meh, we did that already. We, I don't know if they're going to do it this year. I haven't looked at the all the details. I don't think they're going to project any uh, Luma work on our building, although they're welcome to do so. I remember a few years ago they did, and I, I for one, was stunned that our building could look so good, if only for the moment. I admit our building, and there's nothing wrong with this building. It's a historic building that for many years was home to the fabulous Sissons department store. In fact, I at this moment, and I'm standing in the middle of what was the bargain basement. You can imagine, you know, women's dresses, 88 cents. Just racks and racks, probably, here in the bargain basement. But uh, we're getting back to the side of our building. The north side of our building, it's fine, except it's uninspired. And it needs something like Luma to give it a little bit of pizzazz, which they did, as I say, in a previous Luma event. I don't know if they'll do it this year. Gosh, I hope they do. Of course, as one of our listeners from the east side had previously mentioned, she actually put a bug in someone's ear that they look at, at trying to find a, a mural artist to jazz up our building do the same sort of thing not necessarily the same type of mural but the the concept that they applied over to the Rathskeller building just across the street wouldn't that be nice you could have a 
very nice mural on the side of the WNBF tower. Of course, I haven't run that by the guy who owns the place. It'd be, it'd be funny. We get get everybody to agree, <laughs> get everybody to agree that they should do it, and they line up an artist, and they handle all the money and all that sort of thing, and come to find out, the guy who owns the building <laughs> didn't want them painting murals on it. I mean. I have no idea. I haven't seen him lately. I should run that by him before I, I talk about it further because, you know, could be, hey, it's my building. I like it the way it is. I don't want a mural. Thanks, Bob, for your idea. If you want to put a mural on this building, why don't you buy it from me and then paint away, Mr. Idea Man. Uh, oh, James Kelly reports the airport announcement, a, a new service from BGM Airport to Orlando and Fort Myers, Florida. So, which is funny, I was just talking earlier this hour. I want to go to Florida and I want to book a flight. Now, apparently, that's going to happen with new service from Avello Air. Avello Air. They love to fly between BGM and Florida, apparently. And so that was a, a big announcement. So, I. I had a sense when we were talking with the county aviation commissioner here in the studio a couple of weeks ago, I had this sense that something was cooking. As Mark Hefner was here on August 10th, and we brought up the possibility of new air service, and he was talking about, well, you know, going forward, the merged airlines are going to need um, people to provide connections, and he saw opportunities and all that sort of thing. And I just got the feeling that maybe he knew something at that point on August 10th, which, gosh, that was three weeks ago. So I'm thinking that Mark Hefner, when he was here on August 10th, actually knew that this service was going to be coming to BGM Airport. Now, now, maybe it wasn't finalized at this point, but, of course, the thing is, it would have been great. So the commissioner says on live radio, oh, yeah, and, Bob, coming up uh, at the end of this month, we plan to make a huge announcement about service from BGM Airport to Florida. And then suddenly, for whatever reason, the thing falls through. And then everybody can look at me saying, yeah, well, it was going well. All the negotiations were nearly finalized. And then they heard that somebody spoke publicly and somebody didn't like that. And so now we don't have service. So I certainly appreciate the sensitivity of the matter. You're listening to WNBF live on a Wednesday morning with Bob Joseph. Mission accomplished. Better than ever. Tomorrow will be even better. I'm Bob Joseph. Thanks for listening. You're tuned in to News Radio WNBF and WNBF.com.